Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Karen Camp Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Kant, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And in case you don't have a copy of my book, you can get the first six chapters free on my website, www.karencan.com. Just put in your name and email address, and I'll send you the link where you can download the book excerpt. And not only that, I'll gift you five of my Fast Track Your Healing online classes absolutely free. You can watch it anytime at your leisure. Today I'm really excited because I'm going to be interviewing my colleague, Dr. Stephen Davis, about Lyme disease. Now, why am I interested in Lyme disease? Well, um, I didn't really pay that much attention to Lyme disease because I figured, you know, there's some specialists that are really good at treating Lyme disease. And so I didn't think I was seeing much of it in the office until one of my colleagues went to work for a Lyme Center about two, three hours from me. And she was, you know, telling me some tidbits uh, about uh, some of the folks she was working with, no, no, no names, of course. And I thought to myself, you know, since I can muscle test and I can energetically test for other infections, I don't see why I can't energetically test for Lyme. And at the same time, another colleague of mine, another chiropractor friend of mine, introduced this uh, product, uh, which was for pain relief. And what was really fascinating is that certain people, the pain would, you know, relieve right away. And other people, they would get all this swelling and congestion in their lymph system. And I'm like, wow, this is like a die-off reaction. What is going on here? And so I happened to start muscle testing myself and other folks in the office that were chronic cases. You know, they had some really weird reactions to, you know, to the healing modalities I was using. Like they would take longer to get better and they would have some bigger detox reactions. And wouldn't you know it, you know, 9.9%, you know, 99% of all those folks uh, actually tested positive energetically for Lyme, which of course I can't prove it, you know, and, to, and even some of the blood tests we'll talk a little bit about today uh, that can test for Lyme aren't always positive. But once I started seeing it from that point of view, and actually addressing the Lyme issue, wow, these people are getting better, and myself as well. So it's very fascinating. I want to invite my colleague today, Dr. Stephen Davis, who, you know, calls himself a small-town doc, but he was like one of the, I think, you know, um, originators of of a real holistic uh, medicine, not just natural medicine, but also energetic medicine, because he's been at the forefront of um, natural energy medicine for quite a while now, and uh, he, people come from all over the world to see him in California. Uh, he originally was a licensed chiropractor at 83, and uh, he actually uh, became a certified traditional naturopath in 98. Um, and even though he's in a small town in Northern California, like I said, he has a lot of people come to see him because why? Because he treats people that everybody else has tried treating, and they don't get better, and uh, they get better when they see him. Uh, and I know his daughter very well, uh, Tamara Joy. She's a wonderful energy healer to work with. So between, you know, the two of them, uh, if I've got some tough cases, including me, I sometimes I'm a tough case, I come to them for help. And 
So I'm so pleased to have uh, Dr. Steve with us on the show today. Talk to us about Lyme disease. Thank you so much, Dr. Steve. Well, thank you, and thank you for the kind intro. It's always fun to get on your show because such kind things are said about me and, of course, my daughter. And so, yeah, and this topic is one of those topics that keeps everybody stirred up. And so love to kind of introduce and entertain some conversation related to this uh, terrible disease. Okay, well that's fantastic. Well, I'm I'm going to kind of tell you the framework or some of the stuff that I'm interested in learning from you and I'm sure a lot of my patients now, you know, are definitely interested in understanding these things and then I'll let you kind of take it away. So the the, the top, I probably the top 3 things is uh number 1, you know, is uh, some people don't even think Lyme is real, like the um like it it's not so much that the, the, it's an infection per se, but like the the host is weak and therefore it's kind of kind of taken over. Um, so why is it so bad, and mm-hmm. what kind of problems do we see? And the second issue is that why is it so hard to diagnose with conventional medicine? And number three is why is it so hard to treat, uh, and how do you treat that in your medical practice successfully with or without antibiotics. So I'm not really sure everything that you do. So that's kind of like the the three main topics for today. Sure. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, at the end of the day, a real quick story to kind of bring us into why I'm even involved in this, and that is in the early 80s, we began to see a phenomenon which we called yuppie flu. Dr. Paul Cheney over here in Reno, Nevada at the time, he was the doctor, the physician that saw a unique phenomena happening to young adults. These are young, aggressive, uh, trying to conquer the world adults that just were so exhausted they couldn't get out of the bed and they couldn't function. So it looked and felt like and smelled like, if you will, from a clinician's perspective as a reactivation of some dormant virus. So what he began to do is run some blood tests, and we began to see uh, reactivations of the Epstein-Barr virus, which is the mononucleosis virus, so we just called it the yuppie flu. That's how it got right. started back in the 80s. Okay, so then, of course, medicine has no treatment for viruses. We can't treat the common cold. We can't treat hep C. We can't treat uh, uh, AIDS. So this was just another one of those things that's probably self-limiting. Just treat the patient palliatively. Make them comfortable. They'll get over it. Well, they weren't. So the drama was is that we began to begin to look at what is the mechanisms that allow viruses to grow, what's the mechanism to downregulate, is there a way to get rid of them or at least make them go back into their dormant state. So that was the real focus. So then what happened is that then there's some some doctors around the country began saying, well, maybe it's just not Epstein-Marr, maybe it's human herpes 6. So we started testing for human herpes 6, found that that was there. And then we went into other viruses, and then even to Parvo, and Parvo B17 was there. And so it was as if every time we went looking for what we would call a dormant or uh, um, old virus that had been reactivated, we found that in these patients that had these symptoms, they were in trouble. So then we started scratching our heads and going, okay, this is impossible. They can't have all this. We even got to the point in the 80s where the uh, we had 33 million Americans who had this thing called chronic fatigue syndrome. They were disabled. They couldn't function, couldn't work. Social Security Administration set up a profile. They have 56 questions in their original paperwork, and if you had eight of them for more than six months, you qualified for permanent disability under the auspices of the federal government under the Disability Act as it related to a chronic illness that's got you disabled. Wow. Right? 
So if you had eight of those, and eight of those were positive for six months, you qualified. Well, within four months, 30 million applications went into the government. So the government says, that's impossible, that can't be. So they, they kiboshed the, the whole deal. Well, I had eight patients at that time actually get permanent disability, Social Security disability, for chronic fatigue fibromyalgia. Mm. Based on laboratory findings of Epstein-Barr cytomegalia and then these uh, eight or more uh, persistent symptoms. So then we had a colleague over in Reno that was at a different clinic. It was at the Century Clinic. And what this particular colleague did is that he started looking around and seeing that these individuals also had joint pains and joint arthritic-type phenomena, and they look like rheumatoid but not, and they look like uh, psoriatic but not. So he determined that they are probably... Uh, having some kind of an arthritic inflammatory autoimmune thing, and then he stumbled across a paper that was published that in 1975, a couple of children with knees that were swollen that were misdiagnosed as juvenile rheumatoid arthritis actually had a microbe in the synovial fluid that was called uh, Lyme's, and so it was given the name Lyme's because of Lyme's Connecticut. So this doctor is looking at that paper and going, huh, I wonder if Lyme's is out here. So then what he does is he takes 500 of his chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, desperate patients that are not getting well. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing everything right from your medical intuition and your treatment and your standards of care, and they are not getting well, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, it may be this hidden infection. So what he did is that he uh, told these 500 patients that I am going to do a blood test every month until we prove you have Lyme's. And in 12 months, so the first month, 17 were, were positive on a Western blot uh, study that came from hygienics. So 12 out of 500. The next month, 18 were positive. Next month, 33. By the end of 12 months, all 500 patients were positive for Lyme. Wow, and so that's for them being treated. Correct. Wow. So the more he treated, I mean, the, 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 the longer they were on the treatment, the more likely the Lyme test was positive. Correct. Got it. And then the other thing is, is that just because you have the symptoms, it may not prove itself positive in laboratory tests because your immune system is actually, there's two two big discussions about the, the organism. Your immune system is, uh, the lion's is a stealth. Immune system doesn't recognize it. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's when, a friendly neighborhood Bob next door. That's, that's not exactly. a problem. And then, and then what happens is that something happens in the system and then it recognizes it. It's like somebody took the, uh, the opened up or turned the lights on. Oh, there it is. And then the immune system antibody triggers start happening. So in that, what happened is that we began to treat for Lyme specifically, and we began to see that, no, there are other bugs. There's other co-infections going on. So what we found is that Babesia and Bartonella were real common in those that were in terrible straits. These are the people that have uh, uh, lymphedemas and, and swellings and headaches and migraines and challenges that no matter what we were doing therapy-wise, we were not able to make those symptoms go away. Mm-hmm. And then we began looking at, well, then they may, what about the other co-infections? You may actually have a mycoplasm in the middle of all this. So we started testing for mycoplasm uh, ferments and pneumoniae and began to see that those were showing up. So guys like uh, myself and Dr. Jeff Marangel, colleague of mine, you know, we get on these conference calls together, we talk about these issues, and we go, you know, the biological terrain of the individual is just creating swamp water, and every bug available will grow. Yep. 
So what at the end of the day is, from German Biological Medicine at the Paracelsus Clinic, Dr. Raul, he's got a book out, The Swiss Secret, and it's a basically a, a nice uh, a companion discussion about biological terrain, and that is our internal environment. So when we eat, drink, and be merry, our body is going to respond to all the things that we're eating and can be merry about, and it's either going to go acidic at the end of the day or alkaline at the end of the day based on what we've done. If we stay stuck in those behaviors, what happens, the body will lose its way, it loses its compass, if you will, its correcting mechanisms. And if we stay too acidic in the body, what happens is that viruses and bacteria grow. And if we stay too alkaline in the fluids, yeast, fungus, molds will grow. So mm. these co-infections are all based upon this internal environment. Where are we and what's going on in the biological milieu, as we call it? So then it got really crazy in the 90s because we had a little gal. Her name was Lydia Matman. She had published a book called Stealth Organisms, and she very carefully defined that what happens when you go after attacking a microbe, the purpose of more, most of the antibiotic therapy is to disarm the cell wall without disarming the cell walls of our blood cells and our component uh, organ cells. So it's a cell wall destruction mechanism is what most antibiotics do. And mm-hmm. what happens is that these bugs have the ability to go stealth, meaning that they can lose, just like a snake that molts, it can lose its outer covering. So therefore, the antibiotic doesn't work, but they're mm. still alive. And these are wow. referred, these are referred to in, in, in a book that she published. Oh, gee, it's in her third uh, writing now, and it's called um, "Cell Wall Deficient Organisms." And underneath that subtitle, "Stealth Pathogens." So wow. she lists about 20 pathogens that are actually take on this characteristic when you begin to attack it with conventional medicine and antibiotics. This is why in my camp we go through the notion to say 50% of the patients that have this terrible disease, Lyme's, is actually can get well if it's an early attack, an early uh, uh, assault on it with antibiotic therapy up front for six weeks. But if that person's been sick for an extended period of time, has gone through multiple rounds of antibiotics for other reasons, sinus infections, lung infections, uh, um, irritable bowel, uh, gastritis, those kinds of things, so they it would knock it down but not knock it out because as a collateral damage of taking out the strep or the pneumonia or whatever, the antibiotic may have an effect actually on the Lyme. What happened is that those patients, they went into this this bizarre behavior of this thing which it becomes a stealth, and the immune system's not responding to it. But if you leave it alone and it goes dormant, it will mature. It'll take back on its hard uh, exoskeleton. So what we have is is this drama in, in German biological medicine, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Enderlein, he developed a concept which is called pleomorphism, which is organisms have the ability to change size and shapes based upon the environment it finds itself in. Well, this Lyme's organism, it looks like a snake in its adult phase under the microscope. It just looks like a snake and actually looks like syphilis. Matter of fact, uh, Lydia Matten, when she got started in this work, is that back in the 70s, President Nixon set out a decree to the, to the medical community, we need to find the cause of MS. That was the statement. That's what happened. 
500,000 patients diagnosed with MS. He had a relative that had uh, contracted this terrible disease. So the President of the United States says, we need to get all the smart minds in medicine, and we need to figure this thing out. So Lydia, being a microbiologist, and she was trained at uh, Yale, uh, Ph.D. Uh, in microbiology. She's, she's got 17 CSI diagnostic tests with her name on it. In other words, she developed the staining or the diagnostic technique to be able to confirm and believe and prove something exists in this world of microbiology. Wow. Okay, so she's very bright. She's got now. credentials, all right. Wow. And then she was Professor Emeritus at Wayne State University. Okay, so what she does is she hears this, this decree, and so she goes to the neurologic uh, science uh, department in the neurology camp, uh, and she talks to the neurologist and says, we need to rework up the terminal MS patients that are in this ward. And they said, okay, so she did spinal taps on all 79 of them. And when she did her microscopic evaluation, she says in a public lecture that we had her in, in 2008 here in San Francisco, she said to the audience, over 300 doctors sitting in the room, and we had the CDC there, we had NIH there, we had a bunch of other folks there, and she said, and she was 82 years old at the time, and she said is that it looked like syphilis under the microscope. Wow. And so she then looked at the clinical manifestations of syphilis, stage one, two, and three, the tertiary stage is neurologic meltdown, she says, and it always has a, an implication in the knees, so in her mind, we're looking at syphilis. So then when she went to stain it in the micro, in the, to prove it that it was syphilis, mm-hmm. didn't stain. Hmm. And she goes, it's not syphilis. What is it? So then she started creating some concoctions, and she came up with a methylene green under fluoroscopic uh, evaluation. It would light up, and syphilis does not. So she goes, okay, this is not syphilis. So it's a second cousin somehow. So then they began to figure out how do we kill it. And so early on is that IV antibiotic therapy over over and up top, the normal treatment program killed it on most of these patients and they normalized. So then she publishes a paper that MS is a misdiagnosis of actually Lyme's uh, Borealis Bordophi. Right. Okay, so here we go. So then we go, that's back in the 70s. So as time's marching on, this particular microbe gets a little more complicated because it's got a genome of about 197, which is apparently the smartest bug on the planet, according to those that count those things. And so Sounds like on. it to me. <laughs> yeah. so, when we get in, so when we get into the trenches, patients don't feel good, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia-type syndromes. I have, even in my uh, survey, when patients, be- when individuals become a patient of mine, these 56 questions are tucked away in my 450 questions related to your illness. And depending on how you score that, I already have a feel that we are dealing with a chronic microbial mess, probably Lyme-inspired co-infection, maybe uh, activated viruses, those kinds of things. Okay. So when we get to the end of the day, when we ask the million-dollar question, is it real or is it not real, what, what we have is in our culture is this thing which we have hard science. Hard science is those knocking it out down there in the laboratory trying to make sure that it's all confirmed. And what you have is is those little softer, meaning that it isn't 100% all the time. So in other words, in limes, if you go to the CDC and you ask what's the criteria for limes, because in medicine, Everything has standards of care, which means we have a diagnosis that's hard, and we have a treatment protocol that works. Well, when pre- treatment protocols don't work, then we don't have a standard. 
So right. our problem is with Lyme's is that only 50% of the time does the treatment work, so we only are stuck in acute Lyme's. So acute Lyme's, it has a mechanism of standards. In other words, if you go to your doctor and you say, I think I have Lyme's, okay, mm-hmm. they're going to first look for the bullseye because they're in the standards of care. If you just right. Google you know, Lyme's diagnosis, it's going to say an erythemic rash that looks like a bullseye. Okay, so if that's not there, you may not get to second base because that's what they're trained and that's what they're looking for. So doctors will have patients come and think I have Lyme's, and they go, they'll look around at their skin, and they'll ask them, do you have a tick bite, do you have a bite, do you have this, do you have that, do you have a rash? And the answer nine times out of ten is no. So they go, well, I don't think you do. Then the next thing is is that they will then do an ELISA test. Now, ELISA test is an antibody quick screen to see whether or not the immune system is active against that bug. Problem is, that's only good for the first six weeks of the infection. And it's so negative most of the time. Well, I haven't had anybody do it positive, and I had a person at the bullseye reading, they actually pulled the tick off. We ran it down there, got a lab on the ELISA test, and it still came back negative. Oh, jeez. I have colleagues that practice in Connecticut, Limes, Connecticut. Seven out of ten people in Limes, Connecticut, according to them, have active Limes. And they (laughs) say... Less than 10% of the time does that ELISA test come back positive. Well, a lot of so, insurance companies won't, won't do the Western blot for me because they say the ELISA has to come back positive first. Correct. And that's, that's where you have to then, that's where you, you end up in camps like me. It's like, no, that's not how we're going to play this game. We're going to do it this way, whatever this way is, right? And unfortunately... Uh, we have to go outside. That's fortunately, thank God, is that why we have independent labs. Unfortunately, it creates a financial burden because sometimes insurance company won't pick it up. Right. But I've been at this long enough locally that we generally will get the Lyme's uh, Western blot test. Now, then, now we have the problem when we get to the Western blot, what's a positive? Because you're going to have 10 allele, you're going to have 10 vials, mm-hmm. IgG and IgM, and you've got to have five, you got to have ten of the ten, you have to have five that are positive. Right. Okay? The problem is, is that I have never had, in the 15 years of being really focused on this, uh, had any greater than five. Notice, if we do ten, they're going to say you need five or more to be positive for lines. Yep. Okay? And I never get that. I, I'll get a four. I'll get four of them. I'll get three of them. So, in my camp, in the world of the Lyme literate bunch that's running around the country trying to help these folks, is that many say in their public lectures, if P41 is there, you have chronic Lyme. But also P41's the most important allele? That's the most important one. Okay. Uh, so why is it not real? It's Well, in conventional medicine, doctors are very smart. They got A's in high school. They got A's in college. You know, very smart. They read the, the, the cookbooks really well, and they, and they memorize things very well. And so what happens is that they memorize lines. In other words, they go to, the, they go to their Merck manual a couple of times, and they go, or, or, or their um, Harrison. online, whatever the book is, right? And they, yep. they, they, they read the cliff notes there, and they go, okay, number one, have to have the red erythermic rash. Number two, we've got to have uh, some kind of insect. Well, number one, got to have a tick. Uh, number two, you have to have an erythemic rash. Number three, the patient must have body aches and pains and fevers that come and go, and they have a certain generalized malaise. 
Okay, so those are, that's the criteria. And then we go, okay, we're going to run an ELISA test. ELISA test comes back negative, and the doc goes, okay, it's negative. Right. But the patient's, right. Exactly looking, right. at, patient's looking at the patient, but I feel miserable. Well, it's self-limiting. It'll go away. So they leave that doctor. And always the fun part about medicine, because I've been at this a long time, is that when your patient doesn't come back for the doctor to maintain sanity, uh, they must have gotten cured. Because it didn't come back. <laughs> uh, oh I have gosh. patients that have these terrible diseases, and I forced them to go back to their original doctor, okay, with all the lab work, and say, um, not that you missed it, but I went to another doc, and he did a little extra work, and this is what I really got going on, just to raise their awareness. Yeah. That, that's, that's tough. You got a brave patient there. That's oh well, sometimes well sometimes when you've been bit up and sick a long time and your life has been ruined because you've been sick and nobody seems to want to pay attention, they they get mean spirited sometimes. But anyway, but the mm. point being is, is that in this is that if that ELISA test is negative, then the doctor emotionally drops out of that case that they, we don't have limes, and they'll actually argue with the patient. No, we don't have it because the test is negative. So then what I do is that we'll rerun the test but we'll run the Western blot, or I'll send them to Igenix because many of our patients are computer savvy and they've been all over the Internet and everybody's yakking about Igenix. Well, there's two, there's two companies, Igenix and Fry, are the two best independent labs that will give you a good diagnostic screening looking for the potential of do you or do you not have Lyme's. Okay. Right. And so out of that, what happens is patients come in, and this is always the sad part of the story because I've been at this for such a long period of time. If I also run Epstein-Barr, Cytomigli, Human Herpes uh, 6, um, Parvo, they'll come back positive too. If Mm. I run inflammatory markers looking into the trenches of their immune fractions like TGIF beta-1, human transverse growth factor, or MSHBIP, or MMP-9, which are subsets, and C4A, subsets of the cytokine cascade, we'll find that that's completely off the chart and they're inflamed. So we go, okay, you're on fire, Chinese medicine, you're on fire. Your your entire uh, system is reacting to something, right? So the question, what is it? Is it the viruses that are triggering this? Is it the mold? Um, that's triggering it, or is it the limes that's triggering it? And then underneath that, what we have are these amoeba forms, Bartonella, uh, Babesia, and a new kid on the block, FLA 1953, mm. is also very positive in all these patients. So what you have is is that we not only have a snake, syphilis look-like clone, if you will, but we also have three potential amoebas, and then we have activated immune responses on viruses that have been reactivated. And then we have this other nasty thing, which are biofilms. And biofilms are the bacterial forms that have been treated, that lose their membranes or cell walls, and then they become a little more aggressive. They're slow-mos. They, they create colonies in the body. So under dark field microscopy, it looks like stealth warships with bugs growing out of it. It's crazy what it looks like under the microscope. But these biofilms are becoming very, very problematic, and they're part of the Pseudomonas and the, and the uh, Chlamydia clan uh, staff and um, 
strep clan that have lost their original behavior and they're working like thugs as a group. <laughs> like thugs. Oh, my gosh. And so to get them out of the system is that, you know, I've listened to several uh, workshop, um, uh, online uh, workshops related to this from very, very talented scientists that are really in the trenches on this thing. And what's really sad is, is they're looking at 10 to 15 times the normal amount of antibiotic load over a period of two years. And oh, my like gosh. Patients, patients can't handle that. But the whole point is, is what they're looking at is low-level antimicrobial behavior to try to get the yeast fungus molds because they're all collecting together, and they're they're creating this biofilm. So, to help patients understand if they have a biofilm, there's a visual acuity test that they can do. It's called VSCTest.com. And what happens there is that if you fail that test as having a potential biofilm that's affecting your nervous system, You've got more than limes going on in your body. So at the end of the day, we go, oh, my gosh, uh, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because I've been, at, you know, I've been in the trenches. Jeff and I have talked several times. It is like no matter how hard we work at this thing, it's getting worse. It is more well, and, more and they don't seem to get better that quickly, and they get no. kind of frustrated. Yeah, and, what they, and also what happens is they want to, they walk in, like I believe I had this little gal come in uh, uh, last week, and it's just really sad. Uh, she's a real estate agent, hasn't been able to work, a broker. She's about 60 pounds overweight because she just can't work and move. She's just exhausted all the time, so she has no energy. She's exhausted. She has muscular aches and pains, uh, and she's convinced she has Lyme's. And so I started running through these other things about uh, potential of Epstein-Barr site and maybe human herpes parvo. Uh, what about potential of biofilms? What about mycoplasms? I've been on the Internet reading those things, and it was completely new to her because she's so focused, I got, I got limes. So right. when I did the test, she's got limes. But I did the other test, more testing, and we got this other stuff. So I said, you have a uh, kaleidoscope of bugs. And so some of them respond to antibiotics, antivirals are necessary to get rid of the viruses, and then what you have is that in the biofilm slime, you've got to do things with your antifungal. So at the end of the day, I, I drop back into my German biological training, and it is what does their biological terrain look like and mm -hmm. what's happening at the end of the day. So really, really fun. Uh, before we came on the show today, I keyed in to kind of see what Paul Cheney is doing these days, and uh, Paul kind of fun, and his uh, website, um, paulchaneymd.com in North Carolina, I believe, is that in his clinic it says, our treatment philosophy. And it's fun because it sounds like me. <laughs> we're going we're to look at a, a world of biological impacts, but what we're going to do is try to get your biological train on track. We're going to try to get your emotional body on track. And then what we're going to do is we're going to try to target focus those things that are most problematic and then continue to work forward to get your vitality and energy uh, back on track using epigenomics, which is a nice, fun way of saying energy medicine, to get the body back on track. Well, at the end of the day, what's really, really, really sad, because I've been at this since the 80s, what's really, really, really sad, apparently the new thinking that's going on is that our genome in our body, is being assaulted by all these toxins there in our air, food, and water, coupling with the microbes. And apparently, we're beginning to see genomic defects 
in the chromosomes related to these microbes. So there is a test, HLA-DR, which is a lymphocyte study looking at chromosome 6, and they've actually identified if you have a line marker. It's actually allele um, number 15 and 16 and 6 and 5, but those are broken. You have had line disengage your chromosome behavior, so therefore you hyper-respond in your immune system to these bugs. So it's not just a matter of I got an infection in my immune system. I got an infection, and my immune system is hysterical when it sees this thing. Yeah, and well, the, in the Chinese philosophy and uh, medicine has always never been the focus has never been about the bugs or what mm-hmm. necessarily you know the the pathogens. They don't don't talk about that. They talk about excess heat, excess cold, and that kind of thing. But right. um, it's always about the host, like how healthy is the host, spiritually, always. mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, and it sounds like you know that's kind of your approach. It's not so much um, giving a, a bazillion antibiotics to people to try to kill something. Correct. And so at the end of the day, is like, so what is it that we do? So my primary focus is to try to get the biological milieu back on track. So what do I do? I have our patients busy with testing things. So you get simple pH test strips and because it gets them off of their disease and onto their internal milieu. And that is, mm-hmm. is that if your internal swimming pool is alkaline, you're going to grow yeast, fungus, and mold. So you'll have a candida infection, you'll have a microbiome, you'll have something that's got you. You know, you know folks that say, I, I've got um, uh, sick house syndrome, you know, moldy house yeah. and, and that kind of a thing, or, or moldy business syndrome, you know, at my office because of, of mold that's in the air conditioning duct. I'm sick all the time because of that. Well, see, healthy people aren't sick when they're exposed to those things. So it gets back to this thing, like in Chinese medicine, is that healthy people are basically bulletproof and invincible. Sick people become vulnerable. So the problem yes. is how far down the trail are you? And we have ways of kind of measuring that. So the simple thing as what a patient can do is that they get a little simple pH test strip. You can get that at the grocery store, hardware store, the fish supply store, swimming pool supply store. It's easy to get this today. It's easy to find. And so first thing in the morning when you wake up, because your body has been resting, detoxing through the day, so the easy thing to do is first thing in the morning is test your saliva and test your urine and see what the pH is. If the pH is 6.8 in both areas, saliva, which is your recycled water fluid, and then your Mm -hmm. urine is your discharge fluid, okay? Mm -hmm. If it's 6.8 and both of those... Morning in, morning out. In other words, you you journal it for a month, and if it's six point mm-hmm. eight, give or take a tenth of a point through a month, you're normal. Okay. Mm. And I'll get patients that'll come in on a follow up. We start patients. We hold their hand pretty tight the first couple of months with me. So about every two weeks, I'm going to see them. So what happens is that they'll come in about the second or the third visit hysterical because they can't get it to go normal. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh I my know gosh. that one. It's like, oh my gosh, my pH looked like it was fourteen. It's so blue. It's blah blah blah. And I'm going right. You're detoxing. Right. Your body is trying to find its balance. Okay. Yeah. It's lost. It's uh, not a little visual. I get patients. It's like you know, you come to me, and we're like in Los Angeles, down in Newport Beach, and you think it'd be fun to go to Catalina. So we put you in a little dinghy with two oars and no compass, and I say, okay, it's west. 
but you can't see the Catalina Islands. It's only seven miles away, but you can't see it. Right. So you got to trust me. It's west, right? Mm-hmm. So you get you get a mile out there, and now you can't see uh, where you left. You can't see the coastline from where you just left, and you can't see the island yet. Am I heading in the right direction? Well, if I mm-hmm. give you a compass and I give you a strategy, you'll get there, right? Yeah. So what I find is most patients are completely lost in their health care. They have no idea what health means anymore. They have no idea what it feels like anymore. And what's going on is that everything they do is a Herxheimer, and everything they do is drama, so they're just caught in this loop like they're in their dinghy rowing around in circles, and nobody's going to help them. Well, yeah, because sometimes I'll measure. Now, of course, I, I do a lot of energetic me- measurements, and that their their body's responding. You know, the mm-hmm. immune system is like high. You know, at the beginning, I'm ten percent happy, and then you know, by you know six weeks time, wow, I'm eighty percent happy. But they mm-hmm. don't feel any better, and it's so right. frustrating for them right. because they keep right. detoxing, and and they can't tell a <laughs> detox from them getting worse. Right. Well, that feels the same, and that's the unfortunate part. The feeling, and this is their, their, their drama, the feeling of healing and the feeling of being sick is identical. So the drama is is that how do we have testing that will let them know they're headed in the right direction? And so fortunately we have some of those electronic gadgets and meters and whatnot that can do uh, computer-aided diagnostic acupuncture and some of the a high Q circuit things gives us clues that you're headed in the right direction, which gives them some confidence to move forward. Because when they finally do break through and their energies do wake up and they do move into a direction that's good, it's all happy. The lab work I do is mostly to help them tell their friends and relatives they really are sick. See, here's my lab work. You know? Yeah, I know. I mean, you, so, you're doing it for other people. <laughs> you're exactly right. It's like I know what's going on. The unfortunate part is is that the patient doesn't, the confidence is not really there. But more important, they got too many voices talking to them. And particularly if they get on the Internet and get on the blogs, oh, my gosh, it's a mess. Because what happens yeah. is that there's so much negative energy and hate out there because mm. people feel terrible. They're spending money. They're seeing doctors. They're not respected as people anymore. They're, they 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 feel that they are being labeled a malingerer and they're just wasting everybody's time, and it's just really really sad that they're in that particular boat. And and how to get them out of that is to give them lab work that proves that they really do have a problem, and then that there is a strategy and a way to get them out. The unfortunate thing is it may be difficult because some of their immune system has failed. Some of their immune system is hysterical. They're just releasing too many chemicals too fast, too hard, right? And we've got to quiet that down. And then what you have, uh, help put the fire out, but the fire won't go out if the system is constantly being signaled or triggered that we got an infection going on. So if we have the hysteria of the immune system and our TH2s constantly reminding the brain and body we got a war going on, then patients feel bad. The interleukins, you know, give us body aches and pains. They give us fevers. They give us uh, swelling. They give us congestion. They give us fog thinking. And so all of those different symptoms are cytokine cascades that are causing that. The problem is, is that when we go into trying to help to fix, sometimes it's just like uh, remodeling your house. Sometimes we got to make a mess before mm-hmm. we actually get it to look right. And so it is shocking the pool with what we're going to do. So we're going to shock the pool. It's going to go cloudy for a while. But if we get the filter systems and we get the detox systems running better, 
what will happen is that we can downregulate your symptoms and move you to a level up in your energies so your immune system will respond to kill things like they're supposed to. And it's, All right. Now, you, you get them to do the pH, so you keep them busy, but also... Well, I just keep them, I keep them, get, you know, I keep them busy there, <laughs> get them off the emotion that they, they have limes. I get them into your internal swimming pool is not balanced yet because they want to know mm. when they're going to get well. And I said, well, perfectly healthy people, saliva, and you're in, uh, a, and you take your uh, marathon runners. Those folks can run 26 miles and still be standing when it's all said and done, you know, uh, seven yeah. hours later. Is that, you know, and I, and I play this mind game with them as well, is that for a marathon runner that can run 26 miles and still be standing when they're done, we emotionally say they're, in, they're fit, they're in perfect uh, cardiovascular uh, integrity, right? But what we don't do, and it takes guys like me to make you think this way, what we don't do is, they, is that they don't have asthma, they don't have irritable bowel, they don't have arthritis, they don't have sinus infections, because if they had those things, they couldn't run 26 miles. They'll drop out at the two or three mile mark. So the drama is is that those athletes are not only fit, but they're also are healthy. And when they do get sick, get exposed to the colder illness or whatnot, they get rid of it quickly. Mm-hmm. That's the experiments that were done in Germany is that we could take blood. This is what's fantastic. You take blood from an individual that is healthy. And you drop AIDS on their blood smear, and the blood will kill the AIDS. <laughs> that is cool. That is but, cool. So, Dr. So Dr. Davis, how long does it take for people to start feeling better then? Well, everybody's, and this is, the, this is the hardest question in the world. Everybody's different. Everybody's mm. different. So what I do is from my internal workup, I use a, I use a device called Biological Terrain, which gives me kind of a, a look at what's going on with them. And depending on how far, and at the end point, they have an actual uh, understanding of what their um, basic energy is like. A, it's like a battery analysis of your battery fluids. And so anyway, so I have an end point. So if you're, you know, and, and the way this works, is it's on the resistive uh, scale of their electrolytes. But if they come in less than 10% in vitality when it should be 75 or greater, I know yeah. i got a lot of work ahead of me. Right? Yeah. And so do they. If they come in at 40, 45 on the vitality score, then we know they'll do better. I've been able to figure out muscle testing to do the same thing, just asking yep. the question on a scale of 1 to 100, where are you on your energy score, your exactly. overall energy vitality score, your essence, you know, is your essence score. Your chi. Uh, there you go. And so when you do that, you get a score. And you go, okay, this is where you are now, and then what will happen? Herxheimer will take you down a little bit, but then you'll come back up, and on you go. So you can actually map it that way as well. I did that for years before I got into this other stuff. And so the fun part is is that when you have somebody who is completely devitalized, they can't walk around, you know, when they say, I can't even go shopping, I'm so exhausted, I hurt so bad. Those yes. people, it's going to take... For me, it's going to take them four months to get them to where they feel reasonably normal. Mm. Okay? Now, in others who are just feeling terrible, they don't feel good, they got neurologic uh, uh, pains, they've got fog thinking, those kinds of things, it may take uh, four to six weeks to get them to, well, man, I'm feeling good. And every once in a while, I'll have that miracle happen that makes me feel like I'm really smart. I got that one dialed in just perfect, you know, and, and within just oh, a few yeah. weeks they feel great, you know. 
Well, what you know that what's about you know? I feel so many of them have these sugar cravings. Is it oh, really absolutely. them that's craving the sugar, or is it no. the microbes craving the sugar? It's the mic. It's the microbes and their energetics. In other words, the whole body is running off of you know your every cell in the body runs on sugar, so we have a sugar addiction already inside us. But what's really going on is that the cravings is looking for the energy, and really what that is. And uh, Doctor Shoemaker, I don't know if you know him. Mm-mm. He's up in Pennsylvania. Okay, um, Doctor Doctor Shoemaker, um, surviving mold, does a wonderful thing. But there is a hormone that he identified, um, and apparently it's been known forever. It's just that, you know because you can't. You know, in the, in the hormonal game, you can supplement cortisols, you can supplement thyroids, you can supplement progesterone, estrogens. You can't supplement MSH, and MSH alpha uh, is the regulatory uh, hormone that regulates your thyroid, parathyroid, your leptins, and your adrenal and pancreas reflexes. So the sugar cravings and the energetic letdown and the constant chronic adrenal failure. I'm an adrenal failure guy. I've been preaching adrenal failure for 25 years. Oh yeah, and and so in that is that adrenal failures who don't respond, it's an MSH problem. We call it a pituitary hypothalamus problem. So it's the HPA axis that's broken. It's just that MSH uh, as a hormone is that you can't give here in the States. It's, it, it's in Europe. You can do it there. Your patients actually have to go there if they want to get it. But a sidebar that uh, Yuri helped us make was 8CG, human choreographic human gonadotrophin, and it's a second cousin to MSH, and it actually will help that, that reflex. So if you have patients that are in that adrenal failed, uh, what they do is they have a thirst that won't go away, they have an uncontrollable cravings for sugars, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they, they constantly complain that I can't get my blood sugars balanced, I'm a hypoglycemic addict. In other words, I just can't seem to get that. MSH will help um, break that cycle. Wow. Fascinating. Crazy, crazy, fascinating thing that just in the last few months have seen and begin to see the uh, the women who get up all night at the void. It's like guys with their prostate. It's not gals with, you know, yep. they, they, okay? the, the frequent voiding is an MSH. That's the first trigger that the MSH is off. Hmm. Well, that's something, yeah, that's kind of interesting uh, that I can yeah. start measure energetically. Um, that, that's fascinating. So, so what therapies do you use in your office, if not antibiotics? Well, we've I just do, got a few minutes yeah. left, so I just okay. want to make sure. Yeah, 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 fun. Yeah, what I do in my practice is that I'm a natural doctor, uh, so everything I use is when it, within the alternative natural medicine, nutraceutical, and epigenetic energy medicine stuff. So I help develop the protocol of nutramedics that's what got me into this thing real hard and heavy this was with dr cowden this was with dr um klinghart this was dr um Steischko and sconyards and that bunch that helped put together the nutramedics protocol for limes and then it became overwhelming because it became uh we're trying to chase everything and so patients can't afford it so what i did mm. with yuri is that we map them all, so we have energetics. So what my baseline therapy is that mineral force and mag force to raise uh, raise the body's energy and, the, and to eliminate the toxic burden. Formula G, which helps upregulate glutathione, and these mm-hmm. are all energetics, epigenetic behaviors. And then what do we use is I use a, a uh, element called Restore because of the gene uh, 
the new window thought pattern that the genes and the gene expression is being uh, ha- uh, damaged by these chronic co-infections. And so to repair the genes, Restore is a uh, remedy that we created. And then uh, specifically for Lyme's and the microbes is that my, I created a product called Super Silver. And mm-hmm. then I uh, also have a product that's called Barberry. Barberry is about 17 different energies. Um, and then we went to Cat's Claw, and that's got about 16 energies. And then we go to Kumanda. So those three were the original base. Uh, to start with to get the uh, co-infections and get the brain to clean up. Because what happens is that the Lyme's organism has an affinity to go to your nervous system and to your brain. So spinal cord and brain. And so barberry helps to clear the energetic field of that and help regulate the immune system in that territory so that these lesions don't develop and the microbe doesn't set up shop in those organs. Lyme's organism also has an affinity for the liver and also has an uh, affinity to the spleen. So the um, barberry also has some uh, signals in there to protect that along with Formula G. And then the cat's claw is the hallmark of being able to uh, energetically, specifically attack the Lyme's organism and then uh, the co-infections of Bartonella and Babesia and then um, FLA 1953. The, the amoeba forms, and then Kumanda is more on the amoeba forms of the form of FLA. Uh, so it's just how we did the energy um, packing, if you will, stacking, if you will. So our first line is upper respiratory brain nervous system with barberry. Second one, specific line, begin to work on co-infections. And then third, Kumanda is co-infections. And we rotate that through a course of three to four months, and then we retest the hard tests of the uh, Western blot to see what happened to the organisms. In that, what we have is patients begin to come up regularly and do well. We also add into this is that if you can raise the oxygen in the tissues at the cellular level, you can take away the fog and take away some of the drama. So Yuri created a product which is called Oxygen uh, uh, Optimizer. So it's basically to upregulate the oxygen in the system as strong as we can energetically. Uh, we use that to be able to help that upregulate to take away much of the symptoms of Herx and much of the symptoms of die-off. Is that and the also, same as your Kzyme? No, totally different. Oh. Well, this is actually Yuri's product. So oh, it's okay. not part of my line. Oxygen optimizer, okay. Yeah, there you go. And then what we do is that in the very difficult, if i got neurologic problems, I use a product called Laminine. It's actually a biologic. It's actually a, a, it's a stem cell progenerator, so it helps in the repair process of the nervous system. And then in the area of our symptoms, our symptoms is that if you, can, if you just visualize when we eat, drink, and be merry, the body's going to process, it's going to throw it back out into the garbage tank, and the garbage tank has to let it go. Well, your last foot of your colon's job is to uh, take the water out of the colon to firm up the bowel. So if the water coming back in is contaminated with all these dead microbes and other debris, then you just stay stuck in a, in a uh, recycle mode of uh, constantly feeling like you're poisoned. So yep. I use Suncarella and have used it forever, Suncarella to kind of use as a binder and charcoal as a binder to take out the uh, symptoms and take out the inflammation and the recycling of the garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly is I have uh, a tincture called HCG for those that are having the hormonal adrenal stress failures that are going on. 
and I have adrenal support and adrenal charge for the adrenal specifically. So it can get kind of busy because when a patient comes into me and I see this, so let's say that we have somebody that's had chronic Lyme's for 15 years. They can't walk across the room. They've got the classic chronic fatigue fibromyalgia syndromes. Uh, they got the neurologic fog thinking, and on it goes. The problem is is that multi-systems are in failure. So it's overwhelming to them. So what I do is I try to keep it at a level we're going to target and try to keep it simple, and that's why I went energy first, because right. if we can raise the energies, I get the cellular body working better than the biology will work better. So I quit doing the herbal stuff, and I quit doing the real hard diet stuff, just because it was too much, too fast, and too much biology, body couldn't process. And when I began mm. to just really focus in the energies, I saw that they felt better, the successes were better, and we moved forward. So let me give you a website real quick of a testimony of a little gal. Two, there are two. One, she's going to have her story that she's putting together. So it's Kickstarter, K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R, kickstarter.com. And then underneath that in the search will be Jordan, J-O-R-D-Y-N, and then Lyme. It's her Lyme story. She had a near-death experience with Lyme's. Wow. She had migraine headache 24-7 for over three years. And we've oh, wow. norm- I've normalized her. She's actually backpacking, hiking. She's in a Christian camp and up in the bushes somewhere. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so great. She goes through her story. When I saw her, she had a pick line in her, a 24-7 antibiotics. So her actual blog is when the curls fell out. Mm. That's when her life melted down. Mm. Wow. Oh, that's powerful. And your website, Dr. Davis, you have lots my, of great information. Yeah, my website is DRD, so Dr. D, and then DC. I'm a licensed chiropractor in the state of California, DC.com. So DRD. DC.com. Once you get there, it's busy because I, I, I have lots of interest. The beauty about natural medicine, we can have lots of interest. We don't have to, you know, uh, like in conventional medicine, we specialize. We kind of specialize too, but we have the privilege to kind of break ground. So I've got uh, an eclectic approach to much of this because I take care of infants all the way. My oldest patient, she has passed six months ago, was 103. So wow! I, I have the, the, I have the giant gamut of being a country doc, seeing everything from ingrown toenails to brain tumors and everything in between, and just have <laughs> uh, been gifted by very bright doctors who have shared insights, and I'm able to be successful at that and watch them get their life back. So uh, drddc.com, and underneath my mugshot that's sitting there, my picture, there's a little enter button. <laughs> if you click on that. It'll take you back, and if you go down to the video section, I have about 100 uh, uh, lectures sitting in there just because folks need more information. We live in an information society, so I've tried to give the Paul Harvey rest of the story on many things and also some insights from what some very bright docs have given to me. Oh, fantastic. Well, just two, like a minute or less on uh, where where does the Photon Genie that you recommended to me fit in as far as uh, you treating Lyme? Oh, very good question. It is integral. It's it's almost becoming a requirement for our patients because they can get well quicker, faster. What everybody wants is how long is it going to take, how long is it going to take. And for some people, it may take them two or three years to get it all back. Mm. The beauty about the photon gene, I use metaphors. The beauty is is that if you have a car whose battery is, is 
about ready to go. You got a five-year uh, die-hard battery, and you're into the fourth and a half year on a, on the thing, and you left your dome light on. You're going to use a battery charger so that you can make sure you start your car or truck in the morning. I look yep. at the Photon Genie as a passive biological charger to the body. It does more than that, but the big visual that patients get is that if you got tired batteries, which means I feel tired fatigue, and you use this instrument, you'll get passive energy coming at you in a very uh, polite, kind way that raises the energy, but also has the capability of killing the microbes, all of them, viruses, yeast, fungus, and molds. So the process of using it has the ability of devitalizing the body of the burdens of some of our hidden infections, raising the oxygen level in the body, raising the nitric oxide level in the body. It has some signals and frequencies in there, similar to TENS units. It actually has healing frequencies coming in to repair organs that are in trouble. So if you're doing the nutritional things properly, another big visual I give is that if you stick all your fruits and veggies into your magic juicer, champion juicer, and you forget to plug the thing in, you'll never get juice. So the whole purpose of energy medicine is to provide the energy to process the things you're trying to do. So this assists your body's energy system. Mm, but it's true that sometimes people don't feel better right away when you right. it because, again, they're detoxing and healing. They're detoxing. You're going to detox at 10 times your normal rate. You're going to move things in your lymphatics. You haven't moved. And it's crazy good what I do. We have patients with kidney failure who have plus three edema. You stick your finger into their ankles and you lose your finger. I mean, it's that, that oh big, right? right? So you, you strap the, the Photon Genie around them with a little ace bandage, run it for 10, 15 minutes, put it on the other leg, run it for 10, 15 minutes, and their feet will look normal. Huh. It moves the lymphatics that well. Had a basketball player sprain his knee real bad last winter. High school kid, you know, again, pitting edema of the, of the knee, thinking about having water extraction because it's just swollen so bad. So I told him, I told his mom, I said, well, you can go get it drained or let's see what this will do. So I strapped it up, put it on there, and let him, he fell You're asleep. talking about the boxes, right? Strapping yeah. the boxes there? Yeah. No, the actual light bulbs. Oh, the, oh, okay. Light bulbs. Yeah, take the light bulbs, put them on either side of the uh, of the extremity, wrap it up with an ace bandage on it, turn the machine on, leave it there, for, and then put the boxes adjacent near it. Okay. And so by having the light bulbs touching the area of concern and the, and the boxes near it and running it for 30 minutes, what happens is that the lymphatic congestion completely disappears. It's crazy, crazy fun to watch. Very, very that easy awesome. in, the, in the physical medicine world. And also awesome. pain reduction inflammation goes down. It's all good. So big picture, the, the Photon Genie is your, your human battery charger. <laughs> Great. Well, our time's up then. Thank you so much. Uh, it's all too Dr. bad. It always happens too fast. Awesome. This is, I know. This is so awesome. And uh, we already made this a special show. It's longer than usual <laughs> because I know people are going to get so much uh, so much value out of this. And, again, go to drddc.com to visit Dr. Davies. He has tons and tons of educational stuff on his website. So if you think you have Lyme, not sure if you have Lyme, you know, you're you're interested in other things, chronic, you know, illness, how to get better, um, understanding energy medicine more. Just go to his website, drddc.com. Thanks again, everyone, for listening in. Thank you again, Dr. D. You're awesome. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you.